0: A reading from the epistle of 1 Peter. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that has passed suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you, but they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached, even to those who are dead." That though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the Spirit the way God does. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another.
1: All right, well, good morning again. As uh, as you can probably tell, our giant of a head pastor is not here this morning. Um, he is off in London with a few of our oversight team members as they're at a leadership conference. And thankfully, he left me with this scripture to preach this morning, the student guy to talk about drunkenness and parties and sexual promiscuity. So um, it's, a, it's a crazy passage, and uh, I'm excited to be able to preach it because I think there's something in it for all of us in this room, including myself. And so uh, before I get started, let me say a quick word of prayer. Father, we just thank you so much for your grace and your love that fills this room and fills our lives, Father. God, I just pray that my words would become your words and that your words would be alive and active like a two-edged sword, God, that our hearts and minds would be changed and transformed to, to honor you in a better and better way. Help us to be more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I have a question for you to start off. Have you ever done something difficult for the sake of better health? Now, Daniel Island seems to be pretty mindful, in Charleston in general, pretty mindful of health and wellness. And I wonder, have you ever done something difficult for the sake of better health? In the first service, after service, someone came and said, I really wanted to yell, kale! And so have you ever had to, to eat kale or whatever it may be? I know for, for my wife and I, we got married and moved here five days later, and as we were trying to start this life together, we were trying to figure out how we were gonna work out, when we were gonna work out, because we wanna be uh, healthy people, we wanna be fit people. And uh, for my wife, she's a kindergarten teacher, and I'm a morning person, she's an afternoon person, and she was trying to work out in the afternoons, but being a kindergarten teacher and wrangling, which she may not would say that, but wrangling kindergartners all day, Once she got home, working out was not gonna happen because she was dead tired. And so she has switched to being a morning workout and so she is living this difficult life in the mornings of trying to be healthy and that's what works for her. For me, I'm okay with working out in the mornings, it works. But, you know, it's not just about working out that makes you healthy. It's not just about working out and lifting weights that gives you a well life. Well, she makes me these little shots in the morning, or she was making these shots, I didn't last long on them. And it's uh, apple cider vinegar and like four or five other things and it is the most disgusting thing I have ever, ever drank before in my life. And I wonder, have, have you guys ever done this? And she, she would say, she'd make them, I would, I would do the shot and then it'd be like a demon was coming out of me uh, because it, w- it was absolutely terrible. She still does them, I have since. I will be healthy some other way. Um, But have you ever done something difficult for the sake of better health? Or maybe more uh, in general, have you ever chosen to suffer in the moment for the sake of a long-term goal? This little shot here, nothing happens in the moment except terribleness. Um, But for the shot, it's supposed to work afterwards. How about in your life? Have you ever chosen to suffer in the moment for the sake of a long-term goal? goal. I think of parents when I hear this question. I don't know how you do what you do, but I see you guys sacrifice and suffer for the sake of your kids all the time. And thank you parents for, for being parents. Uh, but have you? You can fill in the blank for your own life. And I think this question, this thought leads us into our passage because First Peter, all throughout his letter as we've been journeying over the past several weeks, he talks about suffering a lot in First Peter. And so it segues great into this passage as well. So our main idea today is that in light of eternity, a heart that embraces the gospel fosters a life that displays the gospel. In light of eternity, a heart that embraces the gospel fosters a life that displays the gospel. Now, that may sound familiar. If you were here last week, Paul ran with this very similar main idea minus the first part. I think Peter's continuing a thought process here that he started in chapter 3. And so we're basically basically going A Gospel Heart Part 2 today. Last week, uh, Pastor Paul led us in in teaching us that a gospel heart builds, a gospel heart blesses, and a gospel heart believes. If you were not able to be with us uh, this past week, or if you've never heard any of our past sermons, all of our sermons are online at danielislandfellowship.org or on the podcast app. And uh, you can go on there, search Daniel Island Fellowship and find it. I encourage you to at least go back and listen to last week's, if you didn't hear it, to get part one of how Peter sets up his argument for us last week and for us today. Now I will continue and we will continue this morning talking about how a gospel heart is aligned with purpose. How a gospel heart is averse to common culture and how a gospel heart has is active in love. Point number one, as we dive in. A gospel heart is aligned with purpose. We read this in 1 Peter 4, 1 and 2. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for human passions but for the will of God. So we see here, and let me build a little context of where 1 Peter's coming from, or where Peter's coming from. I believe in this scripture, he has two lenses on. He has two sets of glasses that he's preaching from, and he's viewing life from these these two sets. The first set, and we'll open up today with this idea of suffering for for the good of Christ. And then the second pillar, this second lens that appears Peter's talking from, is uh, living in focus of um, eternal life, is making sure that we don't lose sight of, hey, this life on earth is not yet. We have an eternal life to look forward to, to be prepared for. So in those lens, we're going to dive in this morning. And if you notice in verses one and two, uh, Peter, when talking about suffering, he, he gives us an example to follow. He says, since Christ, arm yourselves in the same way. Since Christ suffered in this manner or thought about suffering in this mindset, you also arm yourselves in the same way. I think he's saying that our purpose is to imitate Christ in suffering. If we look at Christ and if we look at how he suffered, he embraced it. It's not that he went out and looked for it, but he embraced it when it came. So in our life, when suffering happens, not that we're looking for it, but we embrace it when it comes in the same manner, in the same mindset that Christ did, always looking to honor Christ. But I know for us here in the West, here in America, this idea of suffering isn't very appealing. And honestly, we probably really don't even know what it means if we look in other places of the world. And so I wonder, how do you view your life when you think of suffering for Christ? It can be a hard idea for us, Listen to how David Helm puts it. He puts it this way. Today in the West, at least, it is the church that suffers from a naivete of mind. It is difficult for Christians here to understand and embrace God's intentions in suffering. We prefer a gospel in which God gives us healthy bodies and bulging wallets. And we too readily think that material blessing is the entitled reward of the gospel. To put it bluntly, The democratized West expects Jesus, comfort, ease, and acceptance from the world. Is that how you're living? Is that your mindset to suffering? Is that your, hey, I have no concept of suffering. I just see the good things. I'm striving for the good things. And it's not that there's something wrong with striving for good things. It's not that there's something wrong with striving for a better life. But when suffering does happen... As we see, Christ tells us to embrace it. 1 Peter three seventeen says this, and this is the mindset that we should have when suffering comes on. It says, For it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. For it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. Sometimes in this world that we live in, in the culture as we'll talk about in just a minute, we can be ridiculed. We can be made fun of. We can have people come against us for living for God. And Peter here is saying that in the same way that Christ uh, searched out the good in suffering, we should as well. and We should embrace suffering as we're following, as we're living a life towards God's will. In Hebrews eleven twenty six, 26, speaking of Moses, the author writes this, For he considered the reproach because of the Messiah to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt since his attention was on the reward? Are we so focused on getting the good that when suffering happens, we think ill towards God instead of embracing it as Moses did, as many other Christians today do, as maybe you do as well? But whenever suffering does come, we should embrace it. We should embrace it. Is your mindset to no longer live for human desires, but God's even if it leads to suffering? That's point number one. Point number two, we see a gospel heart is averse to common culture. Now, just to make sure that, you know, I I hope I have the right definition for this word. I'm expecting to have the right definition for this word. But uh, averse means to have a strong dislike or to be in opposition to. Peter here is saying in his context that, hey, there's some things going on. And you heard the list earlier and we'll read about it again in just a minute. There's some things going on in the culture today that you should not be a part of. And I think that's a very clear message for us. We can look in our culture, we can look in our society and see where God is saying, hey, that is not my will for your life. You participating in that, what may seem good at the moment, that's not gonna lead to flourishing in your life. And we need to be averse. We need to be in opposition to the common culture that is against Christ. We read this in 1 Peter 4, 3. It says, for the time that has passed suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. And so the question is, what in your life needs to be done away with? What seems to be good? Because in this culture, that seems to be good. In our culture, that list of things may seem to be good. And yet Peter is saying, that's not what leads to flourishing. Jesus is saying, that's not what leads to flourishing and living this life for Christ amongst other sins. And so what in your life needs to be done away with? I would love to read a story to you guys uh, from this guy. And I'm going to read this guy's name and sorry if I butcher it, um, but he's a Danish philosopher. And this is uh, the danger of not putting away those sins. Of not putting away that are averse to God, it says the Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard tells a parable of the disastrous effects of not putting to death the desires of the flesh, of failing to leave a way of life behind. One springtime, a duck was flying over his friends northward across Europe. During the flight, he came down in a barnyard where there were tame ducks. He enjoyed some of their corn. He stayed for an hour and then for a day. One week passed, and before he knew it, a month had gone by. He loved the good food, so he stayed all summer long. One autumn day, when the same wild ducks were winging their way southward again, they passed overhead, and the duck on the ground heard their cries. He was filled with a strange thrill and joy, and he desired to fly with them once again. With a great flapping of wings, he rose in the air to rejoin his old comrades in flight. But he found that his good fare had made him so soft and heavy that he could rise no higher than the eaves of the barn. He dropped back again into the barnyard and said to himself, Oh well, my life is safe here and the food is good. Every spring and autumn when he heard the wild ducks honking, his eyes would gleam for a moment and he would begin flapping his wings. But finally the day came when the wild ducks flew overhead, uttering their cries, but the duck on the ground paid no attention. In fact, the duck failed to hear them at all. David Helm continues, he says, what an apt parable for the church in our time. As Christians, too many of us have feasted for too long on the pleasant fare of this world has to offer. We too easily forget that the time past was enough. We forget that we are still far away from home. We haven't arrived at our destination yet. Sadly, many go on day by day, unfazed by the gospel thought that as we feed on the husk of this world, we demonstrate that we think too little of the delights that await us in heaven. Peter says to us, enough, rise up, O men of God, have done with the lesser things. Have done with the lesser things, have be done with the things that separate you from Christ. Not because it's a set of rules to follow, but it's a, it's a way of life to flourish in God. But the thing is, and we know this all too well, and and we see that if we dabble in this sin, eventually your life, my life, our lives will be defined by that sin. We'll be like the duck on the ground where he forgot, he didn't even hear the ducks anymore flying around. He was a duck that couldn't fly anymore because he was so happy and so pleased with the good things where he was. He forgot that God had a plan for him to flourish in other ways. And we forget to see how this uh, continues. And we read this in 1 Peter 4, 3-4. through And this is the message translation because as we put this lifestyle away, as we start to mold our lives into being more and more like Christ, a change happens in our life and there's something that takes place. There's a consequence or there's a fallback to it. Here's what it says in 1 Peter 3 through 4. You've already put in your time in that God-ignorant way of life, partying night after night, a drunken and profligate life. Now it's time to be done with it for good. Of course, your old friends don't understand why you don't join in with the old gang anymore. And this takes us back to our last point. When you choose this life of following God, of embracing this Suffering that comes along, the suffering that Peter's talking about in this context isn't just bad things happen. It's when your friends, it's when those around you that you have to separate yourself from, it's when they start to malign you, as it says in the ESV. They start to come against you because they don't understand. Are you willing to suffer for the good of Christ for the good of His will? Are you willing to go against maybe your friend group? Because a lot of us, we think... As student pastors, this is a good message for students. You know, as you start following Christ, you may have to separate yourself from this group of friends because they're not leading you to Christ, but this group of friends, maybe they will, you can propel each other. I think it's just an apt illustration for us. As adults, the people you surround yourself with may need to change. They may be leading you further and further away with Christ, from Christ. They may be holding you back from what God wants for your life. Are you willing to suffer for doing good? Are you willing to lose a few friends that don't understand your way of life? Sam Collier, he's a pastor in Georgia, says it this way. Don't get so focused on your personal image that you miss your personal issues. Don't get so focused on your personal image that you miss your personal issues. It's so easy to try and fit in. It's so easy to try and live up to the Joneses. It's so easy to try and be like everyone else because that causes no controversy. And yet Christ is calling us to more. Christ is calling us to be different than the culture that we're in so that we can flourish in Him. And when we flourish in Him, when we're living for Him and suffering does come, embrace it just as Christ did Himself. Peter's saying enough is enough. Imitate Christ do away with your sinful acts. And this leads us into the next half of scripture and into that second pillar that I talked about earlier. The second pillar of, of the first pillar was embracing suffering in the same mindset that Christ did. And then the second pillar is that we need to view our life in view of eternity. We need to focus on eternity. We don't need to forget it. This is how the passage continues says, but they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. And we see this view, Peter takes this turn here of looking and viewing towards the end times. And I do this illustration with the kids. I've done it several times. This is a Francis Chan illustration. Um, And I just want you to think about this rope as your life. This rope as your life here. And if you're a student, you know where I'm going with this. I've done it a little different way. Uh, But view this as your life. View this as your life here on earth, your life here in eternity. But then I want you to think about this little red piece on the end. This red piece on the end represents your time here on earth. And we all know that for people, this can be cut short. We know that some can live longer than expected. We don't know when our time will be called, but this represents your life here on earth. And oftentimes we forget to make decisions and to make choices and to parent our kids and to do this or do that in view of how it will impact our eternity. Have you been doing that? Have you been so focused on living the best life here that you forget about making choices and decisions about living the best life here? Because, in honesty, some churches can go too far and they can preach hell and judgment, all that, all they want to, and too much, and some churches can never talk about it, but judgment's coming. A day of being held accountable for our actions here in this red part of life is coming when we'll stand before Christ and we'll be sent one, we'll be sent a couple ways here. So, how are you making choices and decisions in this part of your life to affect and impact this part of your life? Peter here is saying that we need to consider our eternal lives whenever we're living this life, whenever we are going to Suffer whenever we're living. So this leads us into point number three, which is, okay, we have to view eternity. We have to make decisions and choices with eternity in mind, but yet we still live here. Yet we still have to make choices. We still have to, you know, am I, should I just go and look for all the bad things to happen? How should I live here? And I believe Peter is urging us and Christ is urging us today that a gospel heart is active In love. You can live your best life in eternity and your best life here on earth if you will love. The greatest commandment to love. Our scripture continues and says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As good stewards, as good stewards of God's varied grace, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We see that we should live, a, a, our, our gospel heart, our lives should emanate, should be active in love. That's how we live today. That's how we embrace suffering. That's how we live. We live a gospel heart active in love. We read this in Luke 10. It says, And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Choose love. Serve God. Love in order to honor God. We see that We should love the Lord with all our heart, and likewise, we should love our neighbor. You can't love your neighbor without loving God, and you can't love God without loving your neighbor. So as you continue this life, as you continue to make choices and decisions, as you continue to embrace the suffering that's gonna come, choose love in all that you do. This last portion of Scripture could use a whole sermon series for, and we can't dive all the way in this morning, and so... Choose love and love so that God will be given all the honor. Today, we talked about how a gospel heart is aligned with purpose. And our purpose is to imitate Christ, to have the mindset of Christ in all that we do. A gospel heart is averse to common culture. We should be a little different. And are we willing to suffer for the good of Christ? And then a gospel heart is active in love. The challenge today is to be active in love. In light of eternity, a heart that embraces the gospel fosters a life that displays the gospel. If you have chosen to live this life for Christ, that Jesus is your Savior, then your life should look like it. Your life should look like it. Your life should be a display of the gospel. Is it? Is your life a display of the gospel? Let me pray. Father, today we give you the glory and the honor. We're so thankful for the good that you bring in our life. Father, as as hard as it is to say sometimes, God, we thank you for the times of suffering. Father, look at the good that came from your suffering, salvation of the world. What more could you do with the suffering in our lives? What, What could you bring out of our lives if we would embrace suffering with your same mindset? Father, we don't go out and look for suffering, but we embrace it when it comes. God, I pray that you give us hearts of love. Father, that we would love ourselves. God, that we would love our families. God, that we would love our neighbors. Just as you have loved us. Father, we give you the glory and the honor today, forever and ever. In your name we pray, amen.